Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, pick a loaf and doctor's arm. Welcome to Sylvan Gold, Daddy. This is the loafing with me, Dr. Zah. Hey. I'm not feeling so good. Yeah. But I did watch some uh, Michael Hayes. Uh, I think he posted on that Florida wrestling group, uh, uh, picking a fight with what's-his-face, Mike, Mike Graham, Graham, I think. After his yeah. dad blew his brains out. Yikes. That's kind of... Uh, a little. Uh, I mean, obviously he agreed to it. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of... I don't know. You know, whatever to make a buck, right? Yeah. Uh, been a little while for us, but we're back. Uh, we're doing some. Uh, we're doing a Donald Westlake uh, double feature. He is a writer of various crime novels and such. Uh, we're doing the movies, and he's done quite a few. Well, he did the stories for quite a few of these movies, but we're doing Point Blank from 1967 and The Outfit from 1973. Tom, yeah. have you been, sir? Before we get into that. Uh, been pretty good. Just been, um, I don't know. It, it's been a, a, a twisty turmoil, uh, couple of weeks, uh, just trying to get used to summer, having to cut the grass. Ugh, uh, it's so hot here. Yeah. Hot. Uh, it's just starting to get hot here. It's actually been pretty nice out. Um, but you know, I've just been watching some movies, reading some comic books, pooping green turds, farting like a, <laughs> A dog that ate like uh, a bucket of baked beans. I don't know what's wrong with my gastrointestinal <laughs> track. But when you're sleeping and you constantly wake up because you're farting, um, it's time to. I, I had to make a decision that eating split pea soup and hummus for ev- for like three meals a day. After a while, you know, you kind of need to switch up and eat something else. Something with a little more, a little less smooth. You know how like army pants are like uh, that khaki green. Yes. Just I mean literally khaki green. <laughs> My shit is green like that. It's green. <laughs> I mean I'm not talking about like even like a joke or anything. And I was like, what the fuck? It went from it. It became tan like the hummus. Yeah. And then the next in, thing you know, hummus, I, out hummus. Yeah, I looked and I was like, "Man, this this doesn't seem right. It's green. <laughs> I've never had green shit." Whatever. Uh, I've been. Uh, I'm. I'm uh, you know, that was the running gag on here for a while that I was sick all the time. But I've actually got a. I've got a good streak without getting sick. I don't know where this one came from. So, um, <clears throat> so we uh, 
we had to take off a couple weeks. We had some shit get in the way, but um, we'll try to get back on a regular schedule. Once I sell my house, I think it's uh, it's going to be a lot easier too. It's having to be out in and out of the house all all the time on the weekends. You're going to get picked up for vagrancy, just <laughs> hanging out in parking lots and shit. <laughs> I do. I just drive. I'll just drive down the street to the park and just sit in my fucking car for an hour. It's really it's really pathetic, but um. So we've had a little while, but uh, I haven't been watching a ton of movies. What have you been watching? Well, I haven't been watching a ton either because I have been watching some hockey, which, um, <laughs> like tonight, uh, we got the Game 7 of the Big Bad Bruins versus Les Habitants, uh the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, so I'm rooting for the Canadians, and I hope they fucking win because I really hate the Bruins. But um, the the Penguins got <laughs> the beat last night, which fucking surprised me that they are out of the playoffs. Uh, they just didn't obviously have what it took. Sid the Kid uh, is going to sit and uh, cry. Sid, Cindy, I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched uh, some interesting stuff. Uh, I'm just going to go with the uh, the highlights. Which Yeah, I think I will too because I watched some turds too. <laughs> uh, this one was called... Bum Choi Wai Jung Jang Nem Nen Nam Dul Jung Sung. Oh, that one. Yes, which is also known as Nameless Gangster Rules of the Time. That is a good one. Yeah, and it stars Min Sik Choi from the one movie about lots of. Oh, lots of stuff. He was He's good. Uh, was he was the uh, oh what's that movie escapes me I saw the devil and uh, uh, old boy and uh, he's good uh, like that and I like this movie it was it was a uh, he it's weird because he's one of these people that you know I don't know if just because he has these iconic movies that you expect him to be and in this one it's just totally different I mean he's uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say a buffoon, but he's not like a like in Old Boy. He was this strong guy who, you know, after all this training, kicks all these guys' asses, and he's on this quest to find who's fucking with him. And in I Saw the Devil, he's a bad guy, but he's still this fucking force of nature guy. Yeah. And in this one, he's just kind of a. I think it's based on a true story. But it was it was good. I really liked it. Yeah, I think uh, that, I think it is too. That was a really good one. Next one I watched. No, nameless gangster. I'm trying to think what I watched. That. Oh, it's on. It's just on YouTube. Uh, there's there's a couple different uh, videos on there that have the um, have the um, what do you call it? Closed caption or whatever. Subtitles, you're right. Subtitles, yes. Jesus Christ, my I, I just woke up, people. My brain is it's. <laughs> I, I I will slowly wake up. Uh, I watched the United States of Leland. Uh, I will slowly fade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it'll balance out. Leave in the middle somewhere. Ah, I'm drinking water out of a grape crush glass bottle. I've decided that if I buy any uh, drinks from now on, which I usually don't, I just drink water, but uh, I'm going to buy glass. Oh, have you, ever, have you ever had Izzy sodas? Mm-mm. I-Z-Z-E. Check those out. They're, they cost a little more, but man, they're delicious. They use real juice in it. It's really good. Juice? Yeah. 
United States of Leland from 2003 is directed and written by Matthew Ryan Hogue. Hoge or Hoge. And it stars a young Ryan Gosling, Don Cheadle, Kevin Spacey. It's got a nice cast in it, but, um, and I don't know. It's on uh, Netflix Instant. Uh, I'm a big fan of Gosling. I guess he's good in this. He's kind of a a void. <laughs> he's a disturbed uh, kid who uh, kills somebody and goes to does one of those mindless killing kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, but uh, I don't know. He just didn't give me a lot. And you know, I know that's going to sound like a joke because he's in a lot of movies. He doesn't say a lot and kind of just stares instead. Um, but I just didn't like this one that much. It's worth a watch. Uh, what? Uh, so I'll uh, watch. Yeah, I watched Rush behind the lighted stage uh, about the rock band Rush. It's a documentary on Netflix Instant. Um, I kind of like this because um, they're in uh, three odd ducks. They when they first started, they actually were from Canada and they got on um, a tour with Kiss, and Kiss was the headliner. And this was when Kiss first started. And uh, but these guys are kind of like nerds, and Gene Simmons said that uh, the entire floor, a woman's volleyball team was staying on their floor, and everybody had their doors open. And he said, you know, everybody's getting laid, and these guys were in their room reading books and playing like uh, board games. <laughs> so like me, kind of like the Hanson <laughs> twins of, uh, or yeah, triplets or whatever brothers. Um, but it was pretty good. Air. Ah, I watched Casino Royale <laughs> from 2006. Uh, this was uh, the James Bond, Daniel Craig, the first one. Uh, Eva Green is so hot in this, it makes your fucking brain just go like, and there's another chick in this who plays Salange, uh, Katrina Marino, and she is very hot too. Um, the first time I saw this, I really didn't like it because I was resisting Daniel Craig being named... James Bond. It also has Mads Mikkelsen in it, and uh, I like it. I like it. I've watched it a couple times, or probably about three or four times now. I watch now. This is uh, apropos uh, to what uh, sort of to what we um, are reviewing this week. I watched 2013's Parker with Jason Statham and Jennifer Lopes. Oh, is that a? Is that is that a? Is it related? Oh, I don't know. I assumed it was. He's a crafty uh tough guy badass criminal hmm. but it says it's from the novel donald e west by donald e west oh, there you go yeah there which, you go i wonder which novel he did which, which eh, novel it's, it's not bad it's um you know it's got jennifer lopez on it which i don't like her at all uh, but michael chiklis is good and it's you know like it's kind of like these other ones he's just a hard-ass uh criminal and uh uh whatever we'll talk about that later <laughs> i watched a couple of 30 for 30s uh i watched uh renee which is about uh oh god i remember when this happened back in the 70s uh dr renee god damn i can't even remember because my brain's just totally fucking leaving me uh dr renee richards um who was uh, Dr. Richard, uh, whatever his name was. He had a sex change. He was, uh, he's a, a really renowned um, 
eye doctor does surgery and stuff on eyes and uh he you know was a woman living in a man's body and he he was uh one of the first um really publicly known people that uh had uh sex change surgery and um he was a uh, really great uh tennis player as a man and then uh you know when he became a woman he he uh, he tried to come back and start playing tennis and he was really so good mm-hmm. or she I'm sorry and uh it, it without telling anybody you know what happened and it was just choosing another name another uh identity and it got out and it became a big public thing but it was interesting. I, that's one that I have put off, but I, it was actually pretty interesting. And there's, you know, has a lot to talk about uh, transgender people and everything. So it's kind of sad in some some ways. Uh, and I also watched Bad Boys. That was the one about the um, the Piston, Detroit Pistons, with Bill Lambeer and right. Isaiah Thomas and all them. And I I hated those guys. <laughs> and uh, after watching it, I still hate them. Fuck, <laughs> fuck his assholes. <laughs> uh, I just don't like them. I I didn't like their. Even uh, uh, was it is it uh, <laughs> David Stern? The I always yeah. want to say Daniel Stern, uh, which would be funny <laughs> as if he was the uh, commissioner of basketball and making Billy Crystal movies. But um, he even said that they let you know at that time it probably had to do with well I don't know back then I mean like the Lakers were huge and the Celtics and so I'm sure they were drawing money. But um, he even said that they kind of let that stuff get out of hand uh with the r- real rough uh it, and it just led to the the whole league becoming more physical and more rough and these guys are clotheslining guys and i was like how the fuck could these guys not be getting kicked out of games just kicked out i mean the first time they're kicked out flagrant you know whatever i mean deliberately could really injure somebody really bad so anyway but i don't like them i still don't like them and my friend randy i told him i watched it and he goes i want to punch fucking bill lambier in the face <laughs> and this is like how many years later um i watched both uh marine movies with vincent casal uh, public enemy number one is the second one i for some reason got them out of order and uh killer instinct the first one uh they're great still great um I bought them, so now I can watch them whenever I want. He is so good in this. It is awesome. Um, I got on Netflix Instant, and I kind of decided that I was going to give a shot to some movies that were I had never heard of that are probably straight to DVD, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched All Things to All Men uh, from 2013, and this uh, stars Toby Stevens, Rufus Sewell, uh, Gabriel Byrne. It's got a nice cast. I mean, there's people in this that uh, I mean, it's got some good actors, and the um, um, the director who is George Isaac, he did a really good job, and he wrote the story too. Now, it kind of has some thief-like elements with you know, like James Con kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to do with the corrupt cops and things like that. Um, I felt like some of that stuff, like when you watch Thief. Uh, it's so how he breaks into these vaults and how they plan out the heists and everything really makes sense. And it seems like something that people could really do. And in this, 
they sort of make it like that, but it's kind of uh, rushed, and a lot of the stuff is like, okay, would, the, would they really do this? But I liked the other, um, like just the the manipulations and shit that were going on. So it was it wasn't bad. I, I'm glad I watched it. Um, next thing I watched was Unhung Hero, which is a <laughs> documentary about a guy with a small penis. I saw that floating around on. on yeah, he. Uh, is one of these guys that was at a like a basketball game, like a, I don't know if it's Lakers or who it was, whatever, big national basketball game, and they do the kiss cam thing, and when they put the camera on him and his girlfriend, he got down on his knee and um, pulled out a ring and asked her to marry him, and she did the worst thing that you could do to a human being in public on with everybody in a you know, 20,000 seat arena or whatever. And then later, apparently now see this one left me wondering if, um, you know, documentary, how much of this is a work, Yeah. you know, but it's, it's interesting because he does, even if his storyline might've been a little bit, which it might not be, I don't know. I just kind of thought, you know, okay, wait a minute. But just him going around to all these different cultures and to different doctors and sex uh, conventions and shit like that, asking people why does size matter and why people have this thing about you know people having big penises and everything. It's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of funny. There's there's some stuff that's pretty funny. Um, that's Netflix Instant. Uh, next thing I watched. I know there's more. Come on. I uh, watched another one of the ones on Netflix that I just kind of decided to straight to DVD, whatever deal. 2001. This one may have come out. It certainly wasn't in the theaters here. It's called uh, The Bank, uh, directed by Robert Conley. And um, it stars David Wenham and Anthony uh, LaPaglia, are the two main guys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a financial uh, Wall Street kind of a deal, and Anthony LaPaglia is such a fucking piece of shit. He reminds <laughs> me of a boss that I used to have when I first got out of college, and I actually uh, looked this guy up on the internet uh, the other day, and uh, there was this big, huge court case. Where after I left where I worked, he um, apparently uh, – some people said that they thought he was trying to get fired. But when he was my boss, like uh, he would sit in his office with a little thing of uh, – I mean, you know, I just remember this because uh, he admitted it in the court case that he uh, hid alcohol in his office, which you weren't allowed to have alcohol in the premises. And, uh, you know, he'd have like a little – glass with scotch in it or whatever and ice and be drinking it and it was a no smoke uh whole office but he would be in his office smoking cigarettes and he was like uh, a cross between um well i've told people this before if you watch glengarry glen ross alec baldwin's character that was him and he oh. was always nice to me but man he like he called us all in into the office for a morning meeting one time and fired everybody you know, did one of those deals, and then as when you know people were sitting there like, "What the fuck?" And uh, this one guy got his head turned purple, and he got up to leave. He was so pissed, and he goes, "Hey, sit back down." And then he told us we could all keep our jobs if we did this. You know, some bullshit like that. It's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross shit. Uh, but you know, he uh, he got fired, and then he sued the company and won a million dollars, and then they countersued, 
and he didn't get shit. <laughs> His <laughs> wife came to the office with a gun. I didn't know any of this because it was, you know, way after I left, which is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I watched uh, Nurse 3D from 2013, um, which is directed by Douglas Arikoski. Ari- and uh, it stars um, Paz de la Huerta. Uh, who was in Enter the Void. Uh, I'll tell you what, I know this is controversial, but it seems like this movie has divided some people. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I thought it was entertaining as shit because she is so naked in this, like about probably 80% of the time. She doesn't care about showing the puss and everything. Like just walking around and she's completely shaved. And it's not just that. It's uh, her acting is like pretty bad, which is at least or actually adds to it because these nurses, um, they don't dress like fucking nurses. They're walking around the hospital, and of course, they all have uh, white hose with gar- white garter belts. They're like uh, she wears like uh, they look like nurse shoes, which most nurses are on their feet all the time, so they wear like tennis shoes. Yeah. These look like the little white nurse keds or something, except they're platforms. They're kind of like platforms, which makes her look even taller. I just, it's not supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be fucking hilarious. It's a horror movie, which makes it even better. Uh, I just liked it, but I don't give a fuck. Fuck y'all. Uh, <laughs> and I watched, uh, okay, I watched Snake Eater 2. The Drug Buster. I was so close to watching Snake Eater 2 and 3, and I saw that you watched them, which was kind of weird. I, I, went, I went right by them in my list. I was like, I should watch those, and I, I ended up going to something else. Well, they were on this, the channel, this. Okay. And so I flipped them on. Okay, now, I will say this. Okay, we reviewed Snake Eater. Yeah. And it was entertaining, but it was bad, right? Yes, yes. Snake Eater 2 is sort of like that, except worse. <laughs> and now Lorenzo Lamas must have been friends with Ron Palillo, who played Horshack on Welcome Back, Cotter, because he was in the first one. He's in this one. He's in the third one. Uh, this one had the, his sidekick is Larry B. Scott, the African American guy, I guess. From uh, was he the guy from? Uh, oh, what's the other fucking? Well, whatever. You know who he is if you're a movie guy. Uh, but B. it's Scott. just it's just stupid because. Okay, first of all, oh, that's, uh, wait, is he Who the African American guy from uh, Police Academy? No, uh, Larry B. Scott is. Um, he's been in a bunch of shit. He's he's Lamar from yes. Revenge of the Nerds. Lamar, that's who it is. Yeah, because even Mike, Bob's uh, just gonna say. His oh name. shit! I forgot. I watched something. I totally forgot to write it down. But you better uh, write it down but now that you said that because that that guy, the um, the Police Academy guy, was in one I watched. Yeah. Well, Mike uh, from uh, uh, Pensacon fame said it was Lamar, and I just forgot because I'm still – I'm not really groggy. I'm just – I don't know what's – something's not functioning. But Soldier, I love the fact that they just call Lorenzo Lama Soldier. That's his name. <laughs> uh, this one's not very good. He's in like a mental institution, and it's – I don't know. I just didn't like this enough. Now, okay, then right after that one was on, Snake Eater 3, His Law – which was from 1992. Okay, now Snake Eater 2 was 1989. This one is fucking entertaining as shit. It's actually good, which surprised me. I liked. I think I it's it's better than the first two. Now that's odd. I know that it's a odd. it's a shit movie. You know, straight to DVD. 
probably straight to VHS uh, yeah. uh, series. But Lamas looks better in this, which is funny because there's a tie. I swear to God, he walks into a fucking bar and he wears like a button up shirt. He wears a lot of denim for one and cowboy boots, <laughs> but he wears like these denim or uh, uh, like uh, button up shirts with the sleeves ripped off, which is hilarious. Uh, and he looks like such a douche, but it's, it's just Lamas. I mean, he can't look any other way. He looks great. If I look like this, I would get so much pussy. It's not even funny. <laughs> now, the highlight of this is Bam Bam Bigelow is in it, and he plays like a really big part. Nice. <laughs> he's a bad guy, but he's really and, – and he's good because you know how Bam Bam Bigelow would wear those tights that have the flames up the sides? Black yeah. tights. Well, I thought he's supposed to be a biker in this. And he goes out to fight Lorenzo Lamas in this parking lot. And I'm like, what the fuck is he, a biker sitting around with like, you know, the bikers wear like the leather vest. Yeah. You know, with their colors or whatever on the back. They're, they're, uh, what, I can't, they're, what they call them. But anyway, and I thought he had those tights on. I was like, now come on. He's supposed to be a biker. But he had jeans on, black jeans with those flames up the sides. He was so, it was good <laughs> though because it was so bad. But this one is good. If you, now, you might want to watch the watch second that. one. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch. I'll, I'm going to go and watch both of them. Because the title of the second one is just fucking hilarious. The Drug Buster. This one is <laughs> Snake Eater 3, His Law. And it's got some fucking violence in it. Where I was like, holy shit. Um, Lamas' karate is pretty good in this. Of course, he always has to show off his karate because I guess I, I remember when he was on like on Flat Falcon Crest and stuff or whatever. He actually uh, takes... I don't know what kind of karate, but some kind of karate. Uh, but this one is entertaining, so you'll you'll enjoy okay. it. And Bigelow's part is uh, it's definitely worth watching if you're a wrestling fan. That's all I have. All right. Um, like I said, I'll go over the high and low lights, I guess, and I can skip over boring stuff. Um, this one I'll mention because it uh, takes me back to the hor- the one horror hound I made it to. Um, I watched uh, Urufu Guy. Moero Okami Otoko, or Wolf Guy Enraged Lycanthrope. Is that um, Chiba? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Ch- the Chibber. Um, Chibber. So I always got to mention him. He never actually turns into a werewolf, So, um, but I remember Jake <laughs> telling me that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird fucking movie, man. I, 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 was, not, I was surprised. To, uh, I thought it was going to be more straightforward than it was. It was really bizarre. Do you Lots think that of, his like, eyebrows were even furrier, though, when he turned into <laughs> When he when he thing. yeah when when he went when he went angry his clothes yeah. would just get shredded and his eyebrows <laughs> were nice and bushy like bull curry. Uh, so yeah, that was that was it was all right. I, I mean, you know, not it's great, big. but it was weird. Um, the one the one that I had to mention that I probably could have forgotten and nobody would care. I watched Buy and Sell. Um, this is a Robert Carradine. Uh, and the guy from Police Academy, whatever the fuck his name is, the the guy that makes the noise. Oh yeah, Lamar. And um, uh, and Malcolm McDowell plays the evil warden, and it's a guy who's kind of framed and put in prison, and he kind of helps all the prisoner, all the in, or a certain group of inmates learn how to buy and sell stocks <laughs> in prison. It's really stupid. It was boring. And R- Rowdy Roddy Piper's in it, playing a guy called Cowboy, and uh, not a big part. No, not a very big part. I, that's uh, the reason. That's the reason I watched it initially. Well, he he ends up being in the gang. He learns how to do the stock stuff too. Oh, but I mean, if you count up his screen time, it's like five minutes total. 
Uh, and that's really why I ended up with it in the first place because I, you know, wanted to. I'm a I'm a Piper uh, completist with movies, even the the bad and the good. And uh, this is not really a Piper movie at all. So uh, I watched I watched Pacific Rim. It was good. Um, I watched this one was surprising. I watched Our Idiot Brother. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that one. Uh, we we played it at our theater, and um, I I just I don't know I I was in the frame of mind then that Paul Rudd was just going to be like kind of like an anchorman like silly, you know stoner movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was pretty good. I liked it. I mean I, I, I you know it wasn't great, but um, it surprised me that I enjoyed it. And uh, seeing uh, what's his face his balls uh, was pretty funny. Zoe Deschanel's hot. Yeah. Um, who was that? What is his name? The the British guy. He bends over with his balls hanging down. Steve um, Coogan. Yeah, Coogan. Coogan. <laughs> Coogan's yeah, fun. Coogan's gross balls, and he's sweaty ass. Um, uh, that movie sucked. Altered States, uh, Ken Russell movie. This is uh, the, the premiere or, uh, of William Hurt. Um, weird fucking movie. I liked it. This guy is uh, using uh, deprivation or uh, sensory deprivation chambers and like tapping into something making him either hallucinate or turn like basically changing his genetics yeah. uh he turns turn, into sunny chiba yeah <laughs> into sort a wudufu of. guy yeah. yeah um it was it was bizarre uh i'll would, I would have to watch this one again um ken I like russell the, is a fucked up person yeah yeah i don't know if he is in real life but he's probably just as normal and boring <laughs> as can be but man he has some <laughs> fucked up ideas oh but he doesn't have green shit Uh-oh. what um Future Hunters. What the fuck is that? Oh, some Robert Patrick movie. They must have sucked. I can't even remember it. Um, Trumbo I watched. This was interesting. Uh, yeah. This is on Netflix Instant. Have you watched this one? Yeah. Um, documentary yeah. about Dalton Trumbo, who is a pretty famous screenwriter who was one of the initial guys blacklisted in Hollywood. And um, this one could have been boring, except... Uh, what I liked about it was like the, the the reading of his letters. I thought that was a pretty cool touch with with guys like um, oh Brian Dennehy did it, Michael Douglas did it, uh, uh, Liam Neeson read some, but uh, Giamatti read some. But it's like his uh, he he had such a way with words, and which this is what made it a, a more of an interesting story because this is probably something that could have been told in ten minutes, but when they work his prose into it, it made it pretty interesting. I liked it. Oh, and Donald Sutherland, who came up later in the week. Um, I watched, for the first time ever, Grease, and it will be the last time ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not in the Samurai camp. I'm not in the Samurai camp. This was not, like, I, I had high hopes because I loved the intro song. Yeah. And I've been singing it all week. And I loved the you're first... better off just to buy the soundtrack. Yeah, I think so. But well, not, not even all the songs stuck with me. That's what I. That's what. That's what bug. What bugged me is that I didn't even like all the music. You don't even like we go together like whamma lamma 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 ding a ding a dong. That was kind of annoying. Um, I, knew I that just one thought already. it was funny because when we were kids, we we went and saw it, and I mean, I just loved. It. I mean, we were little kids, you know, or probably yeah. like you know, I don't know, junior like high 15, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, fifteen or so. Bought the album, knew every song and everything. And it's funny looking back now because when we went to see it in the theater, my cousin and my mom were like, these people are supposed to be in high school and they look like they're 30 years old. <laughs> and now when I watch it, that's all I see, you know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't know any dimpled chinned uh, guys with five o'clock shadows in high school. Well, what's her name? 
was fucking hot. Olivia Newton-John. I liked her big hair and her black jumpsuit at the end there. Yeah, tight pants. She was. But the first that and the first song where that he's singing about like they're singing about their the summer love song. I thought that was good. Yeah, that was a good song. And then after that, it just kind of like started falling off for me, and uh, I was kind of annoyed by it by the end. So. And Stockard Channing has a great rack, but man, she is just not attractive. You hate her. God. What <laughs> Which was that? Was better, what was that? or the David Carradine car movie in Africa? <laughs> uh, uh, this, this was better. <laughs> if the David Carradine movie would have been a musical, it would have been better, I bet. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> I watched Zombie Hunter. It sucked. Uh, what was Zombie is, Hunter? It's it's straight to video. Danny Trejo and some other people I don't oh, recognize. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw yeah. it on the shelf. Not very good. Um, then I got into some Lancaster. Um, I watched um, The Train. Yeah. Uh, the This was awesome. Yeah, that was um, a huge hole for you. Because I was like, man, I, 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 I was like, man, this movie's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I fucking loved this one. It was really good. And I, I love the like the whole like game of chess that ends up in by the end. And, um, Schofield the, uh, so fucking awesome in that, too. Frankenheimer, didn't you? Did you just mention him? Why is this name coming in my head? Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer is one of the directors of it. He's like one of my favorite directors. Did he do Torah, Torah, Torah? So, because I watched that, which is not Lancaster. No, that's Richard Fleischer. I don't know why the name's coming in my head here. So anyway, because I forgot to write Torah, Torah, Torah down. Also, I've been sick. Um, but yeah, this was awesome and I would watch it again. Um, it's really cool. I love, I love, uh, World War II stuff. That's not just soldiers, soldiers doing, yeah, yeah. Doing the the army stuff. Yeah. It's, it was really good. Um, and then I watched, uh, the swimmer, um, because I had to stop the gentleman's guide review from a couple weeks ago because they warned that they're, don't listen to the review. So I was like, okay, I got to watch the damn movie. And, um, I felt lost through the whole thing, and which which was kind of cool because at the end you realize, oh shit! Like it was all kind of a no, yeah. not to spoil anything. This is it was really good too. It's all about Burt Lancaster's ass. Yes, his, his gaping. Or yeah, I'll tell you what. For as old as I, I, I don't look that good now. And that's he looked. Fun. He was in. He looked. Yes. He was like ripped almost. Like, his back. Johnson are like phenomenal. His I mean, back was like, yeah, like they kept showing his back, and I was a few times I would have to double take because I was like, are they putting a, like a body double in because his fucking back was so broad, like uh, he looked like in great shape. shape. Um, and then I watched it was I watched this morning the Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, this is uh, well shit. I watched another Lancaster. God damn, I didn't write down anything. What was the other <laughs> one he was in with the, in prison? Brute force. Brute Force. I watched this. I watched that also, and completely <laughs> forgot to write that down. So, Brute Force and Birdman <laughs> of Alcatraz, two Lancaster prison movies, and uh, the 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 Wardeny guy, and well, both the Wardeny guys. It was yeah. uh, uh, Carl Malden and the one. Malden was not. He wasn't terrible, but not. He wasn't as annoying as the dude from Brute Force, who yeah. was a big piece of shit. And <laughs> that yeah, movie was Malden really good. Kind of. Uh, they kind of had like not a rede- well, sort of a redemption deal going on there with him yeah but he wasn't like he was just more misguided as opposed to vengeful like he yeah. wasn't out there to like fuck everybody over he thought he was actually doing good as where the guy from fucking uh brute force uh man he was just a garbage <laughs> um and birdman of alcatraz was really good it felt a little long it was like almost two and a half hours but um that i like that one too so 
Um, yeah, and I said, like I said, I watched Torah, Torah, Torah. Uh, never seen this one either. Another really long movie. Um, but uh, this one was really good too. I I, uh, I read like mixed reactions on this. Um, yeah, they didn't use a uh, like a big name cast because they knew it was going to, I think, cost so much. So they just had like E.G. Marshall. I mean, they're they're good actors in there, but yeah, you know, they didn't have like Heston and John Wayne and Robert Mitchum and shit like that. They had just which it might be maybe it's better they did that because yeah. it makes it less about like it, it's more it feels more grand because you're not focusing just on the actions of certain people. You're right. it's, it's more of a broad picture thing, which it was interesting. I didn't realize. Uh, I kind of I don't know. And I, I read an interesting thing about it, and I fall into this camp. It's just like at one point uh, in America, most people's knowledge of Pearl Harbor came from watching this movie. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I knew about Pearl Harbor, but I mean, I knowing that this is based on two historical, you know, accounts of of the day, um, or the, or I guess the uh, the whole build up to it as well. They didn't like, have anything in it about the Illuminati planning it, you know, just so they could. <laughs> right. Well, I never, I never realized the Japanese came so far, like east and then south and then like they and the the whole I, I didn't know all the you know the paperwork shit behind it like that kind of held things up and it was interesting um and then i watched uh the majestic thunderbolt godfrey ho movie really fucking bad and then i watched uh the split um this is another westlake story um a jim brown uh that had a nice cast early jim brown yeah J- this had a lot of people in it board nine uh, Gene Hackman was in it. He played a detective. Jack Klugman, who I feel like I saw. Oh, he was in Tora 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 also. Uh, Warren Oates was in it. Fucking Donald Sutherland, like I mentioned already, with a with a bad uh, Mr. Spock hairdo. He seems like he'd be a, an odd duck, like an weird. Like. <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, and I, my first knowledge of him was whenever he what was it? Uh, what was the movie he was in where he was the he was the. Uh, like the history teacher or something, and he smoked pot with the kid. Animal animal house, house, and he gets yeah. and gets something out of the cabinet. And he just has a sweater on, and when he reaches up, his ass like it just comes up. That's that is what I remember him first from. Is that curly, is that crazy hair? <laughs> and what's her name? Karen Allen was like all uh, you know mesmerized by this older, <laughs> gross fucking college teacher. The the split uh, was pretty good. Um, Jim Brown was a specimen, man. That guy, yeah. he was shredded. Yeah, talk about another guy. Jeez, what's wrong with us? I mean, why I don't can't know. We, you know? Yeah, he played the Parker character Shh. in this one, so um, <laughs> so that was it. And, Wait a minute. Uh, now, how could he play Parker? That's bullshit. I don't. I know it's kind of like Samuel L. Jackson playing. Oh wait. Uh, All right, let's take a break and come back and review some movies. Uh, what do you want to do? Outfit or let's do Point Blank first. That comes okay. in chronological order. All right, we'll be right back with a review of Point Blank. Ahoy, mateys. This is K.A.B., Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you. Smooth sound. Fabulous. 1340. KAB. 
Somebody thought the music from the Gradius was a good choice for this show. So. <laughs> well, you know, when you think of All right. First movie of the day. Actually, I actually drove to work the other day listening to the soundtrack to an old Nintendo game. Uh, Castlevania 3. <laughs> what? That's weird. <laughs> I like drive around just with this playing. With the windows rolled down. <laughs> and, and when you're driving, like, drive real erratic. Like. <laughs> so very, very nerdy. Um, all right. The, um, the first movie is Point Blank, 1967. Uh, Zombie, you want to synopsize it? God damn it. Wait. Oh, okay. I can do it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Here's, here it comes. Oh, wait a minute. No. After being double crossed, <laughs> after being double crossed and left for dead, a mysterious man named Walker single-mindedly tries to retrieve the rather inconsequential sum of money that was stolen from him. Now you know what I—I I mean, I'm sorry, but um, I think that whoever wrote that and put it was an inconsequential sum of money. Uh, must have more money than me. Yes. Now it's a, it's a it's a weird sum of money. Yeah. Um. But it, it's it, he has a point. Is what is it? Ninety thousand dollars. Ninety-three thousand. Yeah. So in and it's it's in the 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 uh, the character of Parker who Walker is um was in the and he was done the same way in um similar way in the split with uh with Jim Brown that he. You know, he has a very specific way of doing things, and he—it's almost like the honor amongst thieves kind of thing. He, you know, he's gonna—he's gonna be in it for what he initially agreed for, and then he's not gonna try to cheat anybody. And he's, you know, he's looking out for himself. He has his code. Yes, Damn definitely right. lives by a code. And 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 you know, there's a there's a point a point in the split where it's the same kind of thing where he could he could have ended up with a ton more money, but only agreed to so much just because that's like what he agreed to. So uh, this stars um, Lee Marvin as Parker slash Walker, um, Angie Dickinson and her sweet ass and side boob. Uh-huh. Um, Carol O'Connor makes an appearance there. Uh, Dean Wormer makes an appearance there. What is it? John Vernon? Yeah. Um, uh, and some other people. Um, <clears throat> now, Borman... Borman was seemed to be split uh, with what he did in Hollywood mainly. He didn't direct, I guess, a ton considering how long he was around in... Or he's still alive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he did... He did uh, Deliverance. Um... Zardoz. Yes, he did Zardoz, which we, we, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and the word, the name Hell in the Pacific, which has been stuck in my head, which I guess I need to see. I I don't know why. Toshiro Mifune. I could have sworn I had that. Oh, that's a good one. For some reason, I've been wanting to watch it and didn't have it. So, but anyway, um, so I I had never seen this. Well, I, this is the second time I'd watched it. I randomly watched this a few weeks ago and man, from the from the word go, I was fucking hooked on this thing because it feels even from the start, it feels like a very late '60s movie. It's almost <clears throat> it's almost dreamlike at times. Uh, it's it's a very it has a very nonlinear like construction to the whole thing, which I really which I thought was really cool. Even with the beginning, you see, I guess. 
where you see when the first 30 seconds, it's like flashback to a, a, you know, a few months prior and what's going on now and then what has just happened. I mean, it's, and it's all mixed up together and you have this voiceover with Lee Marvin wondering like why he's lying there in an empty prison floor. Like, why am I here? And you at the same time have it, it you know, cut with, with, uh, I'm going to keep calling him warmer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Vernon's voiceover, you know, talking about his his ex- explaining this plan he has, but then every once in a while it'll flash and show him like freaking out, like he has t- either tackled or something Walker on the on the ground and and said, "You got to help me." Blah blah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when uh, I don't know, man, that was a little bit. <laughs> I know they were both shit faced, and weren't they at a? Like a high school or some kind of college or high school reunion or something. Yeah, some kind of party. It was just yeah. nothing but dudes. Yeah. And then he just got him down on the ground, like almost pounding his head against the ground, saying, "I love you, man." <laughs> <laughs> what? So um, I started reading the uh, the Darwin Cook uh, adaptation of this book. This book is it's uh, and I'll go back to our the theme. This is Donald the Donald Westlake double. Donald Westlake wrote um, a lot of these. Um, crime novels and a lot of them were done under the name Richard Stark which is which would this one would have been the Parker character was all Richard under his pseudonym Richard Stark um, but uh, this one was based on a book called The Hunter now the and I've never read the book I'm, I'm I've probably said it on the show before I'm not a bit I'm not a huge reader not because I don't enjoy it just because it always takes me so fucking long to read a book I'm a very slow reader but it was cool that I thought I thought that uh, well cool to most people except for Bernie that uh, that Darwin <laughs> Cook would write a <laughs> do write, adapt a comic book out of it because his style really fits well with it. Um, you'll have to check it out. It's actually it's it's really interesting. But I I got it some of the way through it. Um, the book, if I mean if the comic is adapted true to the book, the book is not this nonlinear style. Um, so I'm thinking that uh, that Borman took you know some creative liberty at least with the the editing of it which uh which which works for me because this this is what stuck with me most about it um because i had seen the other one the outfit long before this one but this one was the one that has you know that i can um, that's going to stick with me longer um <clears throat> there's a great shot with i mean it's 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 well shot too a great shot with uh with Lee Marvin lying across that barbed wire atop the fence and I and yeah. you have to look at it you have to look at it for a second to even know if it's a still photo or not um but but there's a bird flying across in the sky and um one of the one of the interpretations this isn't really giving away anything because this happens in the first couple minutes one of the things i read somewhere is a lot of people or some people think that this is like a a fantasy or like a a a dream or something like that, and that Lee Marvin is actually dead in the prison cell when it opens. Yeah, when you think about it, uh, there's some things that, you know, the woman's, when he's riding the ferry, which gives the tour to Alcatraz, mm-hmm. I mean, they're saying, you know, that escaping from Alcatraz by swimming is almost impossible because of the currents that drags you out to sea, there's yeah. sharks everywhere, blah, 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 and he's been shot, and he gets in the water, and just and it's like, okay, now wait a minute. Yeah, so yeah. I never thought about that until you just said that, though. But that I read yeah. that somewhere, and it's an interesting take on it. And it's um, the the um, the director said he he never said yes or no. I think he kind of left left up up to interpretation, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, judging by the 
the the comic, that's not the case. Like it's it's very straightforward. Yeah. But I like that I like that take on it. It's kind of interesting. Um the uh bo- in both films you get a really great shot of par- the Parker character uh walking down a hallway and this one's done very stylized and very awesome with uh plop, he's plop. he's pissed. Yes, yeah, like cop 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 and it's louder and louder and it's just very deliberate this fucking impossibly long hallway and um they're intercutting scenes of his uh i guess i don't know if it's his ex i guess it's his ex-wife current wife i don't know and they don't really get into how long it's been since he's been out of the picture either um in uh in the book he's traveling from the West Coast all the way to back to New York, where where most of it takes place in New York City. But this one is still, I assume, in California. It all takes place around Los Angeles or San Francisco. But um, he, uh, him, and Mal. Mal is uh, the guy that that um, Wormer plays. God damn it, I'm calling him Wormer still. Vernon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Mal and Walker, and um, the uh, his wife. What was his wife's name? Lynn? Yeah. Sharon Sharon Acker. Yeah. They they had met, that was their they you know they had fallen in love and everything, and she had introduced the two of them and helped them set up this job together and Mal that, that was the double cross. The the pickup was gonna be at Alcatraz and they were gonna steal the money. And but uh her and Mal double cross him, take the money and leave him for dead in the thing. So that's kind of set up the whole sets up the whole story, and he's out to get his fucking ninety three thousand dollars back. I think the term "cunt" comes to mind. Yeah, so well, I don't know, maybe not, maybe just on my mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but he he figures out where she is. He busts into her apartment, and like, I mean, he's shooting shit up. He's breaking bottles, and I even love when he shoots. Like, he busts into the bedroom, and it's like this total like slow motion, like ghost like looking image of him, like. Blast, blast, his hair's blowing back. And um, I mean, she answers the door and he just, you know, shoves her aside. Or uh, well, first he cups her mouth and he's looking around for Mal and throws her to the side, blasting, you know, goes into the bedroom, blasting the bed. And he's been gone for a while. When he blasted the bed, it would have been better if like big things of cum would fly up off the bed <laughs> from where uh, Dean Vernon sheets. Wormer was just fucking the shit out of her all the time. He'd be like, oh, goddamn. But I just really love the. I really love what what why this sticks with me so much is the is the the style of it the the cinematography the use of sound like those footsteps like I mentioned, um, or like they show a scene where he is going up in or no sorry. She and she being Angie Dickinson's character who is a the sister of his wife, because um, I don't want to give away too much of. Where how he's going along, you know, figuring out where he needs to go, but there's a great scene of her riding up in an elevator, and it's completely silent. You see, you see the camera on one side, he's watching from an apartment building across, and the camera's moving past him. But then it, the camera's moving with her, and she's lit from underneath. She's like the only thing you see on the side of this whole building. Um, it's just really cool. But he uses his sister-in-law as kind of a, an end to get to Mal. Mal wants that pussy. Yes, uh, I would too. Uh, yeah, Man. fuck yeah, goddamn. She was a she was a good looking dame. She was um, good looking even when she got older, and she was on Police Woman. She was probably only like she was probably like forty some years old. And I remember my dad, my uncles, and everybody all fucking pooping their pants. You know, it's like goddamn, <laughs> she's hot. <laughs> um, 
and the, the first time I saw this, I kind of lost track of time, and I the, the I went in thinking, you know, he's he's going to find Mal, and that's going to be the end of the story, and it just keeps going and going, which is another interesting thing about it because Mal's not the end of the road. It's like that he ends up just being one step, and you know, whatever it takes, Parker's going to, you know, figure out his issue. He's going to, and it, I, it, bunny or not. He's just wants he wants closure to it, and it's like what's so cool about it is that you, you know that closure is something that just keeps moving away, which is uh, an interesting uh, way to make it or to construct it. So, um, I love uh, this this uh, this role. I'd think would <clears throat> the Parker character like Lee Martin was just made for it. Um, he it's you got to be he's got to be like stoic and quiet and fucking just look angry all the time and just be really serious, which I think Marvin does really good. Now it's, it's, it's fun seeing Marvin be kind of happy or goofy or whatever, or like, um, what was the Western we did with him? Monte, Monte Walsh, Monte Walsh, you know, he, you know, he jokes around and stuff in that. And it's, it's cool seeing that, but you know, the, the Lee Marvin either chewing on a cigar or, or, you know, the, the, the stone faced straight mouthed guy, that's, that's what he does great, does best. And, and he just looks great in this. So, um, the, uh, but I, you know, when he pulls that guy through the front door and just make sure to like ram him right into the fucking nails sticking out of the board, <laughs> nailed mm-hmm. the yeah, and um, he smacks the piss out of the. I love the backstage fight. Oh yeah, um, he fucking he gave won, the, one guy a, <laughs> like a fucking a karate punch to the genitalia. It's not. This isn't a Hollywood fight. I mean, uh, he he takes on three guys at once, and he he fights now. The this character in general, the part the Parker character, and you'll see it with uh, it with Duvall in the outfit. He. He's not above fighting very dirty. Now, Jim Brown didn't really do any dirty fighting in uh, the split. He had a he had a funny like like knock out, knock down drag out fight with uh, Borgnine in an office. But other than that, he's kind of he's more suave. Um, but in this, it's like he'll pistol whip people. He'll smack people in the face with a bottle. Yeah, he fights but, like a like a guy who's been in prison, a criminal. Yeah, and uh, I man. I love when he he trips that dude hard. That dude falls hard, and the guy's like screaming, and he just reaches over and just punches the dude right in the dick. <laughs> well, not just a criminal, but somebody who had, he's learned the tricks of the, the like you know the tricks of trade, the trade like tricks of fighting. Yeah. Oh shit! The Bee Gees are on my alarm. Turn that off. It's time to get up. <laughs> The, the the jumps in time in this are they they work well because they that you, you move around but they're not focused on enough to where you kind of lose track of the current but they still make the movie feel like it's floating along um, it still makes sense um, you know like I said it seems like the end goal is Mal but it just keeps on going and just I love the way everything just feels very unconventional. It's not a we're gonna plan this and we're gonna do the heist and then we're gonna wrap up or double cross each other. It's 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 kind of post that and it almost feels existential at times, which I was like, which was really cool. Um, well, even something as little as when Marvin pulls, uh, uh, I almost called him Wormer again, mm-hmm. John Vernon, 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 Vernon. When he pulls Vernon from the bed, and it's not like even just like the fight, it's not this like Hollywood like he's he's screaming and stuff. 
uh, Vernon looks like he's going to shit himself and he's he grabs him by the ankle and he's just slowly dragging him out of this bed and he's just like you know and like he's, yeah, he totally it's slow is it's quiet man but man he was shitting his shorts it looked bad um, Carol O'Connor's in it as a high even higher up uh, the um, I, I, I always like him yeah. I saw in the credits that Sid Haig was apparently a lobby guard somewhere I didn't see yeah, that I, I missed that him too. <laughs> I see him, but he he always looked different, you know, when he was younger with hair and everything. So, but this is um, this is th- this quickly became one of my favorite like crime movies. Like this, I've seen this a couple times now this year, and um, this is a buy for me. I I, I don't want to go too much into the plot because that the jump around of it is kind of the magic of it. Watching watching Lee Marvin and then this the way that it's constructed and edited is something that you just got to see. So yeah. Um, one more, one more quick thing before I, before you can fill in whatever you want. The, uh, the, I didn't, I haven't listened to it, but the, um, in the commentary, apparently in the commentary with, uh, Borman and then Steven Soderbergh is uh-huh. on the commentary as well. But Borman jokes that, um, the movie payback, which is also based on the book, the hunter that this is. He said the the movie Payback was so bad that Mel Gibson must have taken the original script from Point Blank that Borman and Marvin had thrown out initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So, uh, what did what did you have to say about this one? Well, okay, I like uh, both of these movies, but you know this one since we're talking about this one, um, they are it's a blue collar uh, kind of a criminal. Yeah, uh, a guy who's like a working man. You know, a criminal. Like I said, he he knows he's he's a professional. He's not a a kid going out and robbing a grocery store or whatever. He's been around the block a million times, and um, I like the fact that everybody is. You know, they'll even you know say, well, you know, how much do you want? You know, here's like it'll be like, hey, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He goes, no, I just you know, you owe me. Ninety three thousand. He's like, you know, what's this about? It's got to be about more. And he goes, no, it's it's about the money. You know, it's it's like his code. It's his uh, his deal. You owe. You're gonna pay. It's nothing personal. It's professional. Now with Mal, it was fucking pretty much. Uh, it well, yeah, and Mal, Mal was, and the way he's written, talked about in the in at least the comic was that he's not he's not the pro that Parker is. Like he. He was, le- he, you know, more nervous and everything yeah. like oh, that, yeah. and like Sweaty probably, too. yeah. And then, and in the book, he talked, he, you know, he said it, Parker saying that he figured that he was going to be a liability to start off, but was talked into it. And the the book goes into a little, the 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 heist was a little different because there was more guys involved and everything. Um, it was well, it seemed like um, the way the Mal kind of set him up in more ways than one because the way he explained it, they were just going to clunk these guys over the head. Yeah. And then before, you know, Parker can make his move, Mal pulls a gun out and just goes bam, 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 and guns him down, you know. Yeah. So he's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Uh, so he wasn't down with that. But he could tell there was kind of a Jules and Jim kind of a, uh, you know, before anything was revealed, uh-huh. um, where when Mal came into the picture, like they show Marvin when he first meets Lynn. 
and you know he's acting silly and you know trying. I to, liked that scene a lot yeah. too because they talked about both of them were drunk and it's raining and they're just kind of like doing this weird. It's almost like the tango. Yeah, they're like yeah. looking at each other, walking or around like in a, a circle. He's like a turkey that's spreading his feathers and strutting <laughs> around and trying to trying to uh, get her attention and be silly. And um, but then when Mal comes into the picture, when I said like a Jules and Jim kind of thing, they show him riding in the car. And it's almost like they're one entity, the three of them together. She's with Marvin. She's his wife and everything. But she she likes Mal, too, and Marvin likes him, and they're all yeah. just like one big thing. And But you know how that goes. So anyway, <laughs> that, never, that never ends well. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, um, I was going to say um, – I sometimes wonder why they make a decision to change the name of like in this one, it went from Parker to Walker and in payback, they called Mel Gibson's character was Porter Porter. And then he's Macklin and the outfit. And then the, the split, he was called something else too. It's such a, it's such a, uh, now the only one that I know the answer to was this one. And it had to do with, uh, when, uh, Marvin always talked about, or uh, uh, Borman always talked because him, he, him and Lee Marvin were like really good friends. And um, if you ever get a chance, watch a documentary um, uh, that Borman did. It's called, I think it's called Lee uh, A Life, and it's really good because they actually they talk about this movie and he talks about you know knowing him and how he was and everything. But he talked about like Marvin had these big feet, these size like thirteen shoes. And that was the whole scene of him walking down the the uh, airport uh, corridor. <laughs> I the, love that you know, scene. Clop, 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 uh, and how it, he's just walking with a purpose, you know, really intensely. And so he decided to call him Walker, you know, because uh, you know, okay. kind of a deal. That's funny. Um, well, he, uh, Jim Brown's character's name was McLean hmm. in the split. Yeah, just, just like you know, Parker is such a an ordinary name but it's so I guess at the time when they were making these movies the books might have been popular but they weren't like you know yeah. uh, they probably thought it's just such a generic name why not you know give them something else Yeah. but anyway um, uh, John Vernon I've he when you're a kid you always gravitate towards the hero but this guy's a Awesome. I, I when he was in Josie Wales, when he was in Dean Vernon Wormer and Animal House and just about everything he's in, he plays an asshole, but he's perfect for it. I mean, you would expect <laughs> when you go to meet this guy that he's probably a real asshole in real life, but they, he's probably they like, ta- really nice. <laughs> they talk they talk about uh they talk about um, people that that have the, uh, an advantage as an actor or actress when they can produce tears on command. Yeah. I think he, I think this guy can produce forehead sweat on command. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, you know, and which is great because you knew uh, he had this whole thing uh, planned out. And when Marvin shows up and he first sees him, like you were saying, he fucking is shitting. He is like a dog that rolls over and starts to pee. Yeah, you know, submissive P or whatever. Um, but now, the, the, and, and I love that it wasn't. I love, like I've mentioned, it what that it wasn't like quick and violent. He there was no punching. Yeah, he just grabs his ankle and starts walking and like slides him, him out of the He's bed. Like, oh you man, know, you thought you were the shit because you're on top of this mafia thing or whatever, and but you know you're just a, a sniveling weakling. You know, he's a guy that would send somebody else out to do his you know bidding and everything. Yeah. Um, Angie Dickinson, hot. Um, 
the the fight the the thing okay the, you talked about the fight scene in the bar that bar i always love like the uh late 60s early 70s like when you would get like when they show like a bar or something like that and they have the uh psychedelic lights and this yeah, like the, the, music the, the, that, the oil uh yeah. projection on the wall <laughs> and that that weird like this the guy in this movie like he's doing like a james brown kind of thing but <laughs> god it was so an- i can't do it right oh. now because i'll fucking cough yeah. my lungs out but that that song was so annoying and it just kept going, but yeah. it was kind of neat how they kind of played that with the women screaming in the back when they saw the. Oh yeah, they saw no, nobody B- would Walker. even notice really, but it was funny because they'll always play some kind of music like that or some weird Indian fucking bow, 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 bow music, <laughs> and it, it's something that if you if you walked into a place and they just played that endlessly, like it, you would be like Jesus Christ. But I guess if you were on LSD or something, it probably. But it's funny also because. Marvin, it's kind of like a changing of the times kind of thing. He's walking in there. He's dressed in a suit and everything with a suit and tie. And then he goes in there and there's like, you know, uh, more like a hippie kind of a a thing, you know. Um, I'd like the idea of what, you know, you were saying about, you know, maybe this wasn't what you thought it was. Yeah, it's but, an interesting take on it. I, I mean, I, I don't think that was how the book was written, but... No. But what they told Marvin, because I guess this was he met Borman on the set of Dirty Dozen, and they became friends or whatever. And um, so then, because of Marvin's success, uh, this the the um, you know uh, the studio told him they said, okay, we're going to give you total control. You can pick whoever you want to be in this movie. You can. Uh, shoot it however you want to shot and everything and he goes tonal tonal control you know (laughs) Miss marvin and he says um okay i i i you know secede all control to john borman you know i want him to just have uh, he got total control and he said i want i'm giving it to my friend he can shoot it however he wants and that's one thing that's that compared to this movie to the other Parker movies that we're, you know, that we've talked about in the next one. Yeah. The fact that Borman shot this, uh, sets it apart because yeah. he is, he has, he's such an artist and, 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 uh, his artistic expression makes this more than just a, uh, a blue collar gangster noir kind of a movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the flashbacks, the, everything, the way he does where, um, Marvin is talking to Lynn for the first time when he reemerges like the Phoenix rising from the ashes, Stefano Demera like, if you will, from Days of Our Lives. And uh, they're sitting <laughs> on the couch, and she, he doesn't say a fucking word, but she carries oh, on the cu- She answers yes, questions she talks he's to not even asking. <laughs> I love that scene. Because she knows the questions. She's probably went over them in her head. Her thing is like, um, uh, even when he comes to see her, she's she's on hooked on like uh, prescription drugs because this has fucked her up. This event has fucked her up so much that she uh, she says she can't sleep. She's like a walking zombie. And and I'll tell you another thing that just grossed me the fuck out <laughs> is Marvin uses uh, Angie Dickinson's character to get to Mal, and he knows he says. 
how much does he want you? You know, and she goes, you know, pretty much a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it, her her no pussy, sh- no shit. The goal, the holy fucking grail, and you know, if if he knew that there was a zombie apocalypse, and if you open this door, all the zombies would come pouring in and kill you. But she was standing there, and she lifted up her skirt and said, you know, you can have this. He'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) So, but anyway, when he was all over her, it made me want to puke. Because you just knew, I mean, you could see her face and he's like all into it, just going, and she's just like, like, ugh. (laughs) This guy's just, his actual physical touch, just being in the same room makes her want to just gag. And I I hate when women get that look. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't care. I don't look at their face. I smash (laughs) it down the pillow with my foot. Uh, (laughs) So, anyway, uh, (laughs) I learned that from Rocco. Uh, But I love this movie. I'm glad I watched it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. This is one that I would like to purchase and have yeah. in my collection yeah it's a buy yeah it's definitely a buy uh, at marvin it, it the uh it kind of reminds me of the other borman uh marvin um hell in the pacific because they do a lot without dialogue yeah you know uh they they let it they let you know things go they shoot a scene where there isn't a lot said in Marvin, you know, you're just seeing him smoldering or you're seeing him, you know, he doesn't have to talk. He doesn't have to say anything. And you right. know, all this shit's going through his head, but I love it. Love it. Yep. Um, love it. So uh, my rating for this would be, I'm going to say a 9.25. Um, the only reason I would drop it from something higher is the what I like about it kind of, pauses for a little while when with Car- with the Carol O'Connor stuff. Yeah. Um it gets and- it gets like a it that scene well not just that scene but like uh him uh Carol O'Connor when he meets James B C King who is the uh, assassin the, yeah. the the gunsel or whatever the guy with the rifle. Yeah. Um that stuff right there is more standard like yeah. you see in the outfit. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's fine, but it it doesn't. Uh, it's not as uh, it it wasn't as wow. It didn't wow me like the first half did. So or the first three quarters of it did. So, but I give this a nine point two five. I love this movie, and uh, this is a this is a buy for anybody on the fence. So sounds movie. like a good grade to me. And the reasons are something I didn't think of, but now that you said that, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking uh, just uh, I'm gonna mirror image what you just said. Nice. So yeah. Double nine point two five. Let's see. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about a more seventies feeling uh, approach to Parker in the outfit. We'll be right back. Hi, Billy Mays here for the Macho Bullshit Movie Cast. It slices, it dices, it's so good I came back from the Grinches to bring you this deal. The Macho Bullshit Movie is guaranteed to make you 150% more masculine. And for a limited time, comes twice the Macho Bullshit. All you have to do is listen twice. Go to MachoBullshitMovieCast.Libson.com and place your order today. Where do I begin? 
to tell the story of how great enough I can be. I once knew a nigga whose real name was William. His primary concern was making a million. Being the illest hustler that the world ever seen. He used to fuck movie stars and sniff coke in his dreams. A corrupted young mind at the age of 13. Nigga never had a father and his mom was a fiend. She put the pipe down, but for every year she was sober. Her son's heart simultaneously grew colder. He started hanging out, selling bags in the projects. Checking the young chicks looking for hit and run prospects. He was fascinated by material objects, but he understood money never bought respect. He built a reputation because he could hustle and steal, but got locked once. My nose is running off my face. So criminals he chilled with didn't think he was real. Black is the salt being coming. Um, the outfit. Yeah. 1973. Oh, I got to click for this summary. Okay, it's not too long. Um, <clears throat> here we go. When the small criminal Macklin is released from prison, he learns that his brother was shot by two mob killers. He didn't know that the bank he robbed was owned by the syndicate. When he's almost aw- almost offed by a killer too, he pays the mobster Jake Minner a visit and demands reparation. His friend Cody helps him to gratify gratify his thirst for revenge is that even a way to can you say that tom zorner you stink i like when a small when a small criminal macklin you think it's like going to be hervey villachez <laughs> you know fucking walking out a fucking midget or i'm sorry a little person what little person um so the outfit 1973 yeah. um, this. this is starring a uh, mr robert duval this is starring a miss karen black and his triumphant return finally to the show, a Mr. Joe Don Baker. Yeah, don't fucking Don, yeah. And Cherie's, Cherie North's boobies. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say this. Poor Robert Duvall. I mean, my God, he must have started losing his hair when he was like 12, <laughs> you know? But, I mean, he pulls it off. You know, whatever. Oh, I read today he, that uh, uh, Patrick Stewart lost his hair when he was 18. There you go. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? Nothing to do. He, well, it's because he had those um, uh, mental uh, powers, uh, and that's why he became <laughs> Professor X. All those brain waves made the hair fry. Now, this was the... I think they said the second movie that Duval gets top billing. The first one was Badge 363 or whatever the fuck it was called, which he basically played uh, Popeye Doyle, the the character from French mm-hmm, Connection. Yeah. It was another movie that Eddie Egan, who was the the real guy pop that they based Popeye Doyle on, <clears throat> the Gene Hackman played. So anyway, but he's in this one, meh, and he's the lead. Um, now, <laughs> I saw this one a long time ago. Um, uh, and it was kind of reminded me of that badge, whatever. I can't remember what the number is, but I will, I'll say 363 because I want to look it up and I don't give a shit. Um, and I was overwhelmed by both of them. Now, this was when I was younger, okay? Yeah. And I wasn't as sophisticated as I am now. Um, Wait, he was in, he was badge 373, but he was in THX 1138. He was the main guy in that. Well, then whoever put the trivia down for this is wrong. Those bastards. This, this Bastard. tr- THX 1138 was 1971. Yeah, George Lucas. Uh, what do you think about George Lucas and uh, your boy Steve Jobs colluding against their own employees? Oh, Jesus. It doesn't surprise me, but Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, hey, you know, okay, I'm working here and I'm making, say, 
I don't know, however, say round numbers, $50,000 a year. And right now tech is really big and I'd like to make more money, but nobody answers my calls when I call them. I wonder why, even though I'm like one of the top guys in my thing. Well, it's because these assholes fucking had a, a gentleman's agreement that they wouldn't poach each other's employees, which made their wages stagnant and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Well, we'll, st- we'll get past that. Welcome to America. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's America. Um, Okay, everybody knows that I'm a huge Joe Don Baker fan. So anytime I can see Joe Don in anything, I will watch Joe Don. I would watch Joe Don have sex with Olivia Wilde right now, and he's old man. And I think it would be cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's, and he's good in this. Yeah, he is good. Um, and he's not like the main guy. This has a nice cast when you look at um, just the uh, uh, character actors and everything. And it's got some nice puss in it, too, including... Um, the the her I guess her first appearance, uh, Joanna Cassidy, who was in Blade Runner, and she plays Robert Ryan's uh, bitch. <laughs> because and that's two different ways. Because okay, first of all, he's old as shit. This is one of Robert Ryan's last movies, and he's you know uh, uh, old school uh, film noir gangster movie guy, and uh, he's he's pretty along in age in this, but he's got of course a hot young chick. It reminds me of that Donald Sterling. Uh, from the Clippers, uh, except this guy isn't going around saying the N-word all the time. But he's got this young, hot chick, and, man, she was good-looking, and she just bitched and complained all the time. And, he, she, and, and you know, he this was before Viagra, so he probably couldn't even get it up anymore. But he kept her around, and he'd be like, hey, what do you think of her? You know, oh, she's pretty hot. Okay, now, you also have Karen Black, who is, is hot, and she plays a good, um, uh, like, I guess – uh, they would call it a gangster's mall if this was two yeah. back in the 30s. Um, but she's kind of, um, I don't know what she really added to it uh, all, uh, other than, I don't want to say Parker, but uh, Earl Macklin is Robert Duvall, so we'll say Macklin. Um, he he brings her along, and even Joe Don, who is a pro, just like Duvall, uh, Joe Don tells him, he says, eh, ain't good to have a woman around. You know, for, for something like this, they'll, they'll get in the way. They'll cause trouble and everything. And Duval's like, "She's coming." You know, it's uh, this is part of the deal. If you're if you're if you're going to be you know involved, you get used to it because she's she's part of the team. Well, yeah. other than you know, she really she doesn't do much. She sits back at the hotel and watches TV, and I guess waits for Robert Duval to come back and have sweat drip off his forehead. You know, he's one of these guys. Like Pacino got this way when when Pacino got older. And Pacino, I, I, you know, probably never had like a great body or anything, like uh, muscles or anything. But when Pacino got older and he just kind of started letting himself go, like in <laughs> Sea of Love, he would have a sex scene with Ellen Barkin. And Ellen Barkin at that time uh, uh, had a, a fucking great body. Uh, I mean, she was known for, even though her face was maybe a seven, her body was like a 10. <laughs> was Ellen Barkin? Is that who I'm thinking of? I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. See? Uh, uh, well, I got to look this up because I feel like I'm saying the wrong person. Let's see if love. Yeah, Ellen Barkin. So, anyway, but Pacino, when he would have a sex scene with her, he would always wear his undershirt like a wife beater and it was loose and baggy. It wasn't like tight like Bronson, <laughs> Charles Bronson wore. And that's the way uh, Earl Macklin is in this. Duval, uh, you know, D- Duval in this is so average, everyman kind of looking guy. Yeah. He he kind of has not a belly, but you know he doesn't have like 
you know, uh, small waist, right? And he's in bed with like Karen Black, and he he has this like khaki green fucking uh, uh, wife beater on, and, and you know, but they have this connection, I guess. I don't know what the fucking connection is. His brother, <laughs> right? Um, because she was kind of a cunt. You know, uh, you had the other movie, uh, the, the, the chick, uh, Lynn, she was a cunt. And so Parker, no wonder Parker's such a fucking just a, he's like kind of got like a ice cold heart. Yeah. But he does, and he's, and he's very professional and this and that, but there's still that little ember. Even though this fucker's been screwed over, he got screwed over in point blank, he got, st- and this, this bitch fucked him over too. Uh, she's a cunt. It, but she's kind of one of these ones that she's like, oh, you know, I, I, I had to do it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, all of a sudden he's in I, – I, I don't think he was in her thrall like she could tell him what to do or anything. But uh, – and I'll tell you what, he's a gun fetishist because he didn't want to – he told her – he slapped a piss out of her and told her, he said, don't ever touch that gun again. Like, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. You got this hot piece of ass. You can put on your khaki green, ugly, gross undershirt with your bald head, who's hot that you'd never be able to get. But she gets off on the fact that you're like a bad boy, a criminal. It looks like um, it looks like uh, Jean Luc Godard actually did a a Parker story, a Parker movie also called Made in USA hmm. in '66, which would have been the first movie. Check that out, Parker movie. Yeah. Who's the star? Anybody? Um. Widmark, Richard Widmark said it. I don't know who plays the plays Parker though. I think it must be Don Siegel. Plays. I I can't tell who plays Parker because nobody has a name. It's Jean Pierre Leud and Laszlo Sabo are the two yeah. main guys. So. Well, but Parker in this one, you know, it's sort of the same thing. Blue collar guy. I mean, he's he's got his code. He uh, is a, is a is a professional, and he goes and um, he gets. He's when when they first start at the beginning, it kind of reminds me of like Birdman from Alcatraz or Brute Force because he's got the old school prison uniform on and everything, and he's getting out of the joint. Now the book takes place in uh, apparently um, you know sixties, seventies, and uh, this Macklin or Parker or whoever and Joe Don are Vietnam vets. They're veterans. They're veterans in crime. And old seasoned veterans, but they're also veterans from like the war. Now, when they made this, they wanted to make it like after World War II, and then oh, wow. they said, well, we'll have to go and the the budget would go up because they would have to have the old cars, they would have yeah. to have the old wardrobe and everything, and set it at that time. So they said, well, fuck it, let's just do it like the book, make it take place in the sixties, the sixties or late sixties, probably early early seventies, uh, and and these t- the two movies. They they couldn't have. I mean, they're they're very close. I mean, they were only six years apart, but the style and the way they're done completely make the you know they point blank feels like a very '60s movie, and this feels like a '70s movie. Right. Well, they um yeah, well, definitely. Uh, I mean, they're neither one of them need, and that's just the way they're filmed, not the way, not the like the the way they're put together, not the way that yeah. the characters act the or style. anything, because the 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 stories and the characters themselves really, I mean, could have been. Anytime. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no time frame on right. the people. Just or or even the 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 fashions that they wear or anything like that. Um, I mean, I guess they're you know a, a little bit on the fashion, but as far as like the way like the filmmaking style is, they 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 feel a decade apart at least. 
Well, what's funny is like that the the movie um, Payback with Mel Gibson. It's one hundred percent a Mel Gibson movie. You have yeah. the Mel Gibson humor in it. You have the Mel Gibson fetish or fetish for torture and shit like that. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's just it's more like a Mel Gibson movie than it is uh, you know the, the Parker. Lee Marvin or this movie or whatever. Um, now, and it takes place in modern day and everything. There's um, another one called Slayground, a British one. Uh, Peter Coyote plays the Parker character. Did it have evil Santa Claus on it? <laughs> his name, yeah, I don't know. And his name's Stone. Stone. Um, apparently, Parker and his little maybe like three man crew or you know three or four man crew uh, robbed a place. And it reminds me of Charlie Varick um, with uh, Walter Matthau where they rob a bank yeah. and then they find out later they're like, oh, shit, that was a drop for the mafia. Well, they don't call – and that's another thing. Um, it's not – they don't say mafia because it's, um, it's not the Italian mafia. Yeah, it's, it's like, organized crime but not Sicilian. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like the Chicago, Kansas City – uh, mob, which they did call the outfit, and you know that shit. Um, and what what was the what was it called in uh, what was the Hackman Marvin movie with the, the oh uh, with the, the slaughterhouse the slaughterhouse oh shit uh, didn't they call it the outfit wasn't that they called it the outfit or the syndicate the or something like that yeah something like that but anyway and that's another one that's you know Marvin kind of playing a. Well, he was a little bit more higher up the food chain in that with the with the outfit. He was actually part of that uh, of the of the mob, where right. these guys are like uh, they're earners. They they are like even in in uh, in uh, I think this movie, uh, one of the guys uh, uh, Robert Ryan says to Macklin. He says, oh, "You think you're like uh, John Dillinger?" So I mean, and that's what it kind of reminded me of that too. Whereas uh, during the Prohibition era, where uh, Al Capone and all these guys, were the the syndicate, were making all this money and it was organized crime, you had guys like uh, uh, John Dillinger, who had nothing to do with those guys, but he was a criminal and he was uh, like up in the headlines just like them. But he was going around robbing banks and everything, and that's the way Macklin is. He's an independent guy. Uh, uh, so I wonder if this is a non-union movie. <laughs> so anyway, um, but they did this, and and uh, he got pinched just for some petty thing. He he had a gun. They didn't get him for robbing a bank because nobody knows who he is or anything. But he was in a bar, and he he had a gun. So he served like a you know maybe like a couple years in prison for that. Um, and he's just getting out. So he's like you know thinking okay you know he didn't know anything was going on. They robbed this place, and you know no big deal. Well. Joe Don had taken the money and everything, and he's like, you know, okay, I'm going to – I got enough money. I'm going to set myself up, have a little business, you know, go straight and everything, which is kind of cool because I was like, man, you know, they fucked Joe Don's life up. He, he liked to make – he liked to cook eggs and ham and, you know, had a nice little place in this little diner in a town or whatever, and they fucked it up. <laughs> but anyway, um, I thought we were going to see some dog violence a couple of times with uh, Macklin's brother – when the stuff happens to him at the beginning, yeah, and almost like when bad guys show up and they're like this, th- these guys show up, um, uh, and they have it all planned out. They're like professional hitmen, and the ones dressed like a priest, 
and and but you know he's he's dressed like a priest but he looks like king kong mosca with a priest outfit on or something you know you're like wait a minute that's a badass looking fucking priest it's a hard ass um and then the part where um uh they go to trade off cars and they meet richard jekyll and uh, uh hot big booby sherry north uh, and Bill McKinney, who is uh, let's just you take off them pants from Deliverance. Uh, he's such a fucking perfect. I bet you he was the nice another guy who was like the nicest guy in the world, but he can play such a redneck scumbag. He was great in this too. Now the one thing that that one scene that stands out in this, and this is a this is a a, a repairing of Cherie North and Joe Don, because the. Uh, movie that i just mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago charlie varick she was the forger in that and okay. he was the the uh the the badass muscle hitman guy molly who was after oh yeah the terminator walter, walter <laughs> Matt, yeah and and he goes to meet her uh, you know and, and uh she tells him that uh charlie varick had been in there looking you know to get the passport and everything and I'm, he I'm- fucks her I'm stepping away from the mic real quick. Okay. I'm still listening. And 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 he ends up uh, f- uh, fucking Cherie North in that. Well, in this one, I thought the scene was was great because she comes out and she's just like the white trash kind of uh, the place that they go to. It's a it's a it's a garage out in the in the country, uh, and apparently Macklin, you know, he knows from um, the past. You know, he has connections where his brother or whoever has dealt with this guy as far as getting a car that has a clean title, clean license plates and everything. And uh, so he, he knows um, they're, they're, him and uh, Joe Don rob a place or whatever, and um, they have a car. Well, the car gets seen, so they're like, okay, you know, we're pros. We know the, the cops saw this car. We need to get another car. <clears throat> so they go to this place. And you know it's a it's a typical uh, garage out in the out in the country, and uh, there's you know old cars everywhere, and <laughs> so Bill McKinney comes out at first, and he's like you know what do you guys want you know and everything, and he's just this he's got grease on his arms you know he's he's a mechanic or whatever, and um, then Cherie North comes out on the porch. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Look at the body on this. You know, she's yeah. got a black turtleneck on that is skin tight. No, I, obviously, I don't think she had a bra on. I mean, I she she's she was like a, a showgirl. If you look up pictures of her, there's all these pictures of her probably – like even in this movie, she was older. But if Yeah, you, she, she was born in uh, – I just looked her up. She, her, she was born in thirty something, so yeah. Her heyday was like in the fifties, and she was a she was like a, a a dancing like a Vegas or whatever showgirl, and there's all these and and she, I think she was a maybe a singer too, but there's if you look her pictures up, there's all these pictures from like Time Magazine and all this stuff or whatever where she is dressed like a showgirl doing this stuff and and uh, boy she was hot and she, and even when she got older and she was like in Breakout with Charles Bronson or Charlie Varick or this movie she's like Jesus Christ what a body you know? so and, I'm looking at I'm looking at some screenshots of something that played on Turner Classic Movies where she's doing she has pasties on but she's shaking her tits for Gene yeah. Hackman nice any idea what that is Sheree North and Gene Hackman I don't know. She's she's like a she's a, doing the stage dance. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look that up. Oh, the, you know what that was? That was uh, Gypsy Moths with uh, Lancaster and um, and um, and Lee and uh, Gene Hackman. Where it, uh, that's a fun. If you look at the box for the movie, uh-huh. you'll be like, 
you know, it looks like a, a skydiving movie, you know, when, uh, when they would make movies about a, a certain thing that was a big fad at the time. But when you watch that movie, it's way more than that. I put it off for a long time because I thought it was just going to be some movie that, that uh, dealt with like, you know, oh, it's all about skydiving. But then I should have thought to myself, wait a minute, Lancaster's the kind of guy that only makes fucking cool-ass movies. <laughs> and this one, it's so much deeper than that. And Hackman is very young in it. He plays second yeah, fiddle. Six, to 69, yeah, 69. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Um, so anyway, yeah, that, 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 but that's what that was. If I remember correctly, um, she's fucking a piece of ass. I mean, I hate to sexually objectify women as I'm known to do, (laughs) but she's fucking hot. So anyway, but the thing that I love about this movie is it's a tip. Even though Joe Don is a world weary, like I said, he's probably been in Vietnam, done all that. And then he's been over here, and he's been a professional criminal, and he's got his code, and him and Macklin live by this code. And he thinks he's he's seen it all and done it all. He uh, Richard Jekyll, who is Cherie North's brother-in-law, she's married to McKinney, which is also great because he's so gross and she's so fucking hot. And uh, they uh, Macklin and Jekyll go to look at this car. And they leave Joe Don. It reminded me of uh, Death Proof, where they left the hot cheerleader chick, uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, with this big hillbilly guy <laughs> while they go and test drive the, 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 the Challenger. Um, but they leave Joe Don there and Cherie Norse there. So immediately she goes in the house and takes a shower or a bath or whatever. So her hair is wet and she puts on a fucking robe. But oh, she gets man. the robe all fucking wet, like in the front. So oh, yeah. It's just it like sticking, definitely. Sticking to her tits, almost kind of like see through. You can see her nipples and stuff. And she comes out on the porch. Now, this place is like an old, dirty, you know, just out in the country, you know, house uh, with, uh, you know, car motors and stuff everywhere and, and just junk and, you know, old cars and everything. And she goes on the porch and Joe Don's sitting out there and she's like, You want to come inside and have a drink? And he goes, no, ma'am. And she goes, <laughs> she's basically probably thinking, like, you know, wait a minute, what's the matter? I'm a hot piece of ass. Every guy that I fucking, you know, looks at me wants to fuck me. What the? And and uh, he basically says, you know, uh, I learned my, you know, uh, I learned my lesson, or I, you know, about women or something like that. But the thing that the the lesson that I learned from this movie is is when a hot piece of ass like that wants to fuck you, she goes, we got time, and he's like, no thanks. Well, and he explains why. But the lesson that is to be learned here is you might as well have fucked her because she's a cunt and she's, she's only doing it to to fucking uh, either try and make her husband jealous. Well, when he turned her down, that pissed her off. Yeah. So and it made her feel whatever. So she's gonna be a bitch anyway and cause fucking trouble. So he pro- if if he would have went in there and fucked her. He probably could have no, got away with it. She would have kept it hidden then. She wouldn't even have said nothing because Jacob even says. Hell, she even offered it to me, and she and she goes, "Yeah, and you took it too." You know, it's like she, that was that was one of the best scenes of the movie for me. I thought I loved that scene because it just had all the pieces fell together right there. And you know, uh, uh, Duval, who's the star of the movie, just kind of. Now, I will say this: he was a badass. Yeah. Because um, even like that, like that scene with the, with their dog, they had a big white German shepherd, a big white German shepherd, and it was like, Arr! and um, uh, uh, 
Duvall, he, he looks over at me, he goes, uh, you better keep a hold. He goes, if, if you let that dog go, I'll, he goes, I'll fucking snap its neck. And I mean, he was like, it was just like straightforward. He didn't, he wasn't scared or anything. And they were like, Oh shit. You know, cause everybody else would be like, Oh shit, that dog. And, uh, and he fucking takes McKinney out like two seconds. He just like, yeah. bah, 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 cha, you know, um, well, he's like, he does the, the, you know, when we were, we talked about it before, but he fights dirty and does some pretty yeah. kind of repulsive things just to get, you know, make sure he gets the job done. Like, um, what's well, the one guy he, you know, he, the, the guy that he, that the botched assassination and he's trying to get information out of him and he fucking like shoots a bullet through like the part in his hair. Like, oh, the, yeah, like yeah, shoots yeah. his scalp basically. It gives him like, it creases his, yeah. <laughs> That was that was it. Was like Jesus Christ, you know. And I like uh, okay. You have a uh, a uh, legendary appearance by Timothy Carey, who's fucking so awesome. He is so weird looking. They're playing <laughs> cards, and uh, Macklin shows up, and he's trying to figure out you know who's who did what they did. You know, something happens at the beginning of the movie, and he's you know, trying to figure out what's. It sets him back on the, the path. He's like, I'm going to get revenge in this way. Plus, I'm and even like in Point Blank, uh, Mal took his cut of the money uh, in the the heist at the at the beginning. Right. And so he just wanted he just wanted his cut. He didn't want it all. He just wanted his cut. Yeah. Well, in this one, um, something happens at the beginning of the movie and. Macklin understands what happened, even though it sucks for him. Yeah. And, you know, it sucks because it's just business. And they did something they didn't know they were doing, but they fucked up. But he says, I'm going to charge you a fee for that $250,000. Right. He tells the mafia or the, the outfit guys, he says, you know, I'm going to charge you this fee and I'm going to make your life fucking miserable. Because in like, um, He's not the guy in, in this movie. He's not going and like robbing banks. That he had done that before, but in this movie, like 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 I said, like Dillinger. But in this movie, he single handed. It's almost like a Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks and Paul Newman's the mafia guy. Uh, he's getting back at them. He's making the outfits life miserable by hitting all of their places, like right. their casino or. If they have a strip joint or something, they'll go in and rob it. Or if they have a booking place where they take bets, he, the, him and Joe Don go in and and figure out a way to go in and fucking rob these places. And because he said, "I want my money," so you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, until you pay, I'm gonna fuck you over every chance I get doing this shit. And I like the meeting that he has with uh, Robert Ryan. Because Robert the, Ryan's the horse with, auction. Yeah, he's with Joanna Cassidy, and she's just bitching. Oh, you know, I'm not going to sit there and listen to football game. All you want to listen, and she's basically. It's weird because um, Karen Black is sort of the same thing with Mar with uh, Macklin. Um, while they're out doing their man things, their macho man things, and uh, having pissing a pissing contest. She's back at the hotel, and she just says, you know, she goes, I'm sick of this. All I do is sit in the hotel and just wait. And when she goes out to go shopping or whatever, he's like, where you been? And she goes, well, where the fuck? You know, I, I, I can't – I'm just tired of sitting around and sitting in the car and going driving. Whereas on a, on a more affluent level, Robert Ryan's got a very hot Joanna Cassidy, and 
all she does is the same thing. She's just somebody to carry around on his arm, his mall, and she's like, I sit in the car, and all you want to do is listen to the football game. And then I go in, and, and you say, turn on the TV and turn on the football game, and I have to sit there and watch it. We go to the horse race, and I just have to sit there, and she's bored. Karen Black gets bored, and she makes a mistake of touching Robert Duvall's gun. And then he fucking <laughs> rushed her face. He slapped the fucking shit out of her like a whap, pop, whap, you know, backhand, forehand, you know, backhand, forehand, like about five paint, times. The paintbrush. Yay, paintbrush. And he put her in her fucking place because her pussy got like really wet after that. <laughs> she fell like right into line. She was like, she was like a Mal in the first movie. She just rolled over and started peeing like, okay, you know, you're the boss. You know, whatever. Um, so I knew she was doomed. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but anyway, now, uh, if you've seen the movie The Killing with um, uh, Sterling Hayden that um, Stanley Kubrick directed, yeah, 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 it's yeah. another great noir movie. Uh, Elijah Cook was in that one, and his he was like the meek, mild-mannered, kind of weak guy, but he had a hot chick uh, who was, um, I believe it was uh, uh, Marie Windsor. Yes. And so they are reunited in this movie, which goddamn the the killing was this. Now this movie was what year? This is seventy three. The killing was what fifty four. Yeah, and so they're they're brought back together in this. So it's kind of like Joe Don and uh, Cherie North, and then they they pair these two old noir. Yeah, and this movie could easily be a noir movie from the you know thirties. I guess I mean I guess you consider I think the Parker character in general would lend itself to just neo noir all the movies that have yeah, been made in the sixties and out later. Of time, you know, yeah. he he would he would have fit in in the old west. You know, the killing is fifty six. Yeah. So anyway, um, you have Macklin, which that name I mean it's just kind of like oh, Macklin. I don't know why <laughs> I just wish they would have just said Parker or whatever. Yeah, uh, but. <clears throat> Him and Joe Don have this, you know, bond, bond and friendship, and uh, and and I like when they're pulling off their heists and everything, and how they plan everything out, and and um, um, just the, you know, like going and swapping cars out. That when they when they have to buy guns off this guy, and the guy's just like in the back seat and has a big briefcase full of guns and shit, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Um, Robert Ryan's perfect for the role. Uh, they do have a face to face with uh, between Macklin and Robert Ryan, which was kind of odd because you would think. I guess it was because it was such a public place that Ryan right. didn't do anything. Um, but and, and Macklin is such an old uh, pro that he knows these things. He's not going to put himself in a bad spot. Um, but there's an inevitable um, thing where. Uh, Robert Ryan is the head of the people that did this thing, and the and and they're they're like two macho. It'd be like the head of a corporation versus the head of uh, this independent uh, uh, blue collar worker guy, and they're both uh, tough as nails guys who aren't going to take any shit, and something's got to happen. And it does. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what do you have to, I mean, you know. Um, let's see. Um, the, uh, uh, this, this, both movies had the deliberate walking, which I like, because you have this one. I like the, I like. Except uh, 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 Duvall's deliberate walking is, is a lot more boat-legged. 
Yes, and and <laughs> and the and the wallpaper in that hallway was hideous, as opposed to like the the colorful long hallway that at the end yeah, okay. wherever he was. Yeah. Um, but the you know there's a common theme in the in the two, and I wonder if that's it's like this in all the. Uh, in the Parker stories, and uh, when I was just re- looking through it, it looks like he he did like twenty five, twenty four, twenty five Parker novels. So there's there's a lot of lot of uh, ground to be covered, I would guess. But I've never read um, any. I've just seen the you know the characters. Yeah, the movies based on them. The the um, but the it's the common theme at least between these is the is this guy, this deliberate man, moving up a ladder to to get some payback or achieve some goal, you know. And I'm I'm curious if that happened a lot with the Parker books, like where you got to you you got to start at one level and keep banging off like dip 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 up the ladder until you get to where you need to be. Shereen um, North was in Maniac Cop, and I've seen that movie several times. Though. I don't have to go back and watch and see who she is in that. Um, I really like the scene. Now the scene made me think of the movie. Did you see Killing Them Softly? With Brad Pitt, the recently yes, I did. Yes, yes, the 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 poker game thing kind of reminded me of it. Um, it had a similar feel in oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I really liked the one guy who is kind of he was kind of a mid range in the syndicate, but he's sitting there, he's getting robbed. Uh, Duvall's you know taking all their money. This is in the hotel. And um, he, they got their helpers. I don't know what those guys are called. The, uh, you, you saw them in The Sopranos all the time. They always do card games on The Sopranos, and there would be the lower guys that would just be there to like make sure uh-huh. all the big spenders had drinks and all that stuff. But they, you know, the the maid guys or whatever are sitting there playing their cards. Duvall standing there with a gun, and they got the lower guys, you know, gathering all the money and putting it in a coat. And I really like how that guy he's like nervous you could tell and the the maid guy is sitting there watching him which is with this he hates duvall but at the same time he gets after the guy he's like stop being so goddamn sloppy because the yeah. guy's nervous and it's like having dignity even though you're just getting totally fucked over i thought that was a nice touch and there it's just such a fucking his eyes like it's almost like his eyes like roll up in his head or something he's so <laughs> gross and sweaty and fucking just uh, he's like and he talks like with his teeth clenched. He's just a weirdo. Ugh. Yeah, and they and they, um, you know, <laughs> he was in the du- killing too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Duvall plays dirty there with him as well. So ah. that was uh, he sure but did. yeah, he's uh, he he uh, he does a. I think he hit, I think the bottle in the face happened in both movies. Pretty sure that was a maybe that's a Parker uh, trademark. This like guy got with a glass bottle. in my face. <laughs> Uh, and pistol whipping too. So, yeah. um, you got a pistol whip at least one time in your life. Everybody should pistol whip somebody <laughs> and paintbrush a chick. Um, I have two quotes here, and I don't remember what they are. I can't get out. They won't let me, and I don't wanna. But not in a bad way. I'm not saying in a violent way. I'm saying in like a sex way. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, their face. can't we just go someplace <laughs> and hide? That's what Eddie. Oh, that's what Eddie. Okay, that was like that was. Parker or sorry, Macklin, um, you know, the, the inevitability of his, of his route, like he, and you see it in both characters. Once he gets on this path that just his, his personality won't let him, uh, veer off. And his, you know, you see his brother at the beginning with the issue. Uh, and that was in the, that was in the synopsis. So that's not really giving away anything, but, um, this whole thing is about his brother. And, um, but, you know, he could have. 
he said, because somebody said, can't we just, I think Karen Black says to him, can't we just go someplace and hide? And he's like, that's what Eddie did. And he's like, you know, I've already gone down far, the part, far enough down this path and I'm going to finish. And um, it's what's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting character trait with him. But um, this is a, this is a more straightforward type film. Um, it's good. Duvall's really good. Jodon, Jodon well, is thing, pretty though, They uh, really didn't go, like him and Jodon, his brother and Jodon didn't go hide. They didn't know they did anything. They, they knew that they broke the law. Yeah. But they didn't know that they had, that the mafia was after them. Right, right. Um, I don't think. They didn't, well. Because Duvall didn't even know until somebody told him that was a, that was a, a drop a or whatever. That was yeah. the mob's oh, bank. Oh, right, right. In the the Kansas City Bank, yeah, and um and that's from the from what I gather in the book that seemed like what Parker did was he didn't have a an established place and the way he's described in that comic is he would do a job and um just until just to get money enough to live fine and he t- they he he they talked about with his uh, with his wife the the passion between them right after a job would be you know, high levels and yeah. he'd be all into her. And then as the money would fade, his interest in her would fade too. Yeah. And then he would do another job and he would always travel somewhere around in the country and do a job. And then it got be the done blood and, up. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's pretty interesting. And it, it's a, it's, it's an interesting character. I'll have to, I'll have to check out on unless he went robbed someplace. I have to check out some more of these Parker stories. So, I get a, can you imagine Lee Marvin not being able to get a well? I mean, as drunk as he was all the time, he probably couldn't get a heart on. I want to read his book, the book about. Uh, I don't know if it was an autobiography or what, but I've heard the. He seems like a pretty interesting dude. So, yeah, that one that. Uh, oh, what's his name? That's uh, our group. Uh, um, God, Epstein. That he he just did one about Marvin. That's really good. Oh, yeah, check that out. Because the other one, I have one. That um, um, uh, Dwayne Epstein. Uh, it's okay. called uh, Lee Marvin Point Blank. Um, the one that I have is by. It's called. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was written by his ex-wife, and it's um, it's all from her perspective. And there was a point in time when she wasn't even in really in his life. You know when he when they got divorced or whatever. Uh, this one uh, that. Uh, Dwayne Epstein did. He researched this thing forever. I mean, for goddamn 20, 30, I mean, I'm probably incorrect here about the time, but I mean, I know he researched it for a long, long time. So, and he's also on our, I think on our group and, you know, a friend on Facebook. So, uh, and, and you can get it on Kindle. Uh, Okay. So it's really, and and which is, you know, cheaper. Cool. I don't, I don't have a lot else to add and I'm, I'm starting to fade here. My face hurts. So (laughs) we can get our, we can get our ratings. Yeah, um, I feel, I feel I, like somebody pistol at me right in the nose. Yeah, I like this movie. Um, it's a lesser movie than Point Blank, just because of Borman. Uh, Duvall's a good actor. Um, for I think that he came into his own as like the leading man guy um, when he got older, especially like after Lonesome Dove and that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, as like in this movie, like I said, when I was younger, you know, you expect a a, a lead to be a more charismatic or visually uh, attractive kind of a guy, macho kind of a guy. Where uh, he looks more like somebody who would be a real guy. Yeah, yeah. But all, but in that, I appreciate that more now 
but he doesn't have the charisma that um like Marvin has or you know whoever um but still it's a good movie the other movie is way better just because of Borman the styling and the tone yeah. and everything that Borman sets um I love Joe Don I love the cast in this movie it just um uh, Jodon's very, very Jodon is very uh, likable in this. He's he's kind of he's a lot of movies I see him in like he's very he he's stone faced even though he has like the right. the the jolly cheeks. Right. But in in this one he he's more carefree feeling, which yeah. I like. But you know what? If you took this movie with the everything the same, but you had somebody besides Duval, somebody who was a more of a a, a kind of a big name kind of a guy. Yeah. Fuck it was like I don't know if I want to say Clint Eastwood, but you know, just somebody um from that time who was a who was a, a more charismatic guy, the movie I think would go up definitely. What about John Hamm doing a Parker movie now? I wish uh, Mad Men would be over just so he would make movies. Uh, <laughs> and not not just like a goofy uh chick flick movies. Yeah. Because when I watched The Town the other day with uh, you know the Ben Affleck uh, the town yep. he is so good he for me he fucking stole the movie I th- I was like man this guy's a movie fucking star on he's like some, the on like he's in some Disney level. movie now but you know yeah like the baseball movie but I mean something like uh, cop movies and like I said like movies that Clooney would do yeah John Hamm should be doing and he got caught up and I mean shit I'm sure he made a ton of money and he became a household name or whatever with Mad Men. But I, this guy's got movie star good looks. He's got movie star charisma. He can do the funny stuff, but he can do the tough stuff too. Yeah, and he would be perfect. I like so, him. Anyway, not as good uh, as Statham, what, though. What do you, What do you rate it? Not as good as Statham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, Mel Gibson, or Mel Gibson, right? I would give this one on first viewing. When I first saw it, I would have probably gave it maybe a six. Uh, now, um, with the cast and everything, oh my God, I would probably give this an I think a straight eight. I was gonna say eight point two five, but like I said, I just think and I and I think Duval's a great a really great actor. Uh and he recently denounced the party that he follows like a stooge um which because really? he's like hey man these people are idiots uh and he <laughs> actually basically enough. came out and said that uh but <laughs> his even and that 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 movie where he plays the popeye doyle character was the same thing you you have gene hackman now if gene hackman would have played parker in this or macklin i could see it going up a notch because he's just got that charisma yeah he's you know? more yeah yeah okay so anyway, but that that that's the only thing, and I'm not, uh, Mr. Duvall. If you're listening to this, I think you're a great actor and everything, but it just he just lacked that charisma for, as the leading guy that you're just like yeah, you know, yeah. But he, it does make it more believable because he looks like a guy that would be he looks like an everyday guy, everyday yeah. guy that would do that. And I'm I'm right there with you too. I go to seven point seven five. This is uh and. And mine also went up the second time I watched it because when I first watched this, it was almost a little forgettable for me. Um, I don't know if it was the time I watched it or what. Me but. too. I mean, because even when when we talked about reviewing it, I had seen it, but when when I was thinking about it, I couldn't remember that much about it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't either. When I watched it again, it was almost like watching it the first time. So awesome. 
cool at eight and what seven point seven five. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break and we'll come back and do a tiny little bit of feed sack and wrap things up. We'll Whee! be right back. One dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert <laughs> sobbingly masturbated in the corner. From that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. But we're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action. And the most complete fighter in the world. Sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures <laughs> of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm waste. Now pull up your skirt. So check me out at TWORpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios! Two tissues crammed up my nostrils. <laughs> All right. Let's turn that down and see if I downloaded the You know what's weird about that picture is you can't see your mustache, and it, it's like <laughs> I thought it was uh, Mr. Chris. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. I've got, a, I've got this, mount, this mountain of tissues in front of me. One time, right. um, I'm trying to think what – I didn't have a runny nose. My nose was just like it was just uh, that sinus where it's just completely stopped up. And you can't breathe Ugh. out. And I went and got some of that neosinephrine shit. And as soon as I squirted it up, both nostrils, everything just completely opened up. Huh. But the membranes inside my nose hurt so bad that I couldn't breathe through. I, I didn't want to breathe through them because they I, were so uh... inflamed and hurt so bad. I, I tried a neti pot one time when somebody recommended it, and I ended up getting a fucking sinus infection from it. Yeah, you have to use uh, distilled water. Oh, God, it if hurts If you don't, so bad. you get, yeah. I've, I, I never have done that. It burned. Yeah. Anyway, feed sack It's like time. getting waterboarded. <laughs> we haven't recorded in about a month, and we got uh, two feed sacks, so whatever. Yeah. Here well. we go. <laughs> hey, yo, it's the Cinemask. It's Justin Rolter here. I figured I haven't called in a little bit. I've still been listening, uh, but just been busy. But I do want to call on one thing. I'm going to bring up a film that I watched. It's something funny. I thought about it. 
And I'll kind of want to just leave the floor to you guys to uh, discuss uh, a topic I'm going to bring up. Kind of like how the Britain did okay. with, uh, yeah, last week. So I watched this uh, 86 comedy by the name of Jocks. It's decent. Um, just basically about a tennis team that needs to, to actually win the championship or else their scholarships and the tennis team at the college will close. But the funny thing is it is from the mid-'80s, so homophobia is a bit... It's one rampant, brother. And in the film, there's some homophobic comments, like one of the heroes, grants a side character, even says it on board, I can't believe I'm losing to a faggot. But what I kind of find interesting about this, and sometimes when you see films like this that are very homophobic, you get the feeling it's because the characters themselves are homosexual, and they just, especially at that time in the 80s, it was looked down upon, because this team, it's like they're tennis players, they can make all the jokes I want about their handling balls, but it's because the way that they interact with each other, it's got the whole bromance feel, but there's one spot in particular I really thought we were going to like, just kind of finally see them say that, you know, okay, they're gay because they're in Las Vegas and they're going to, you know, when they're all time trying to pick up chicks and in Las Vegas, especially with some of the you know, women there, it's probably not going to be that hard, especially for some good-looking guys. So they seemingly keep striking out. So you go back to the motel, they're all sitting out and drinking their beers, and they say, man, I can't believe none of us got laid. And then there's a dead silence. And eventually the dead silence is broken up by uh, the oak, well, played by Ogre, but there's an Ogre ripoff named Ripper in the film, uh, played by the Ogre. Um, so anyway, hold up and call it back. Uh, so I'll uh, just finish this real quick, and I have to get back to work. So, uh, but they see makes a joke about slapping the monkey, but there's a spot right there when there's a dead spot when they say, oh, yes, we, you know, I can't believe none of us got laid. I thought one of them was going to say, well, I guess we should fuck each other. So I just want to bring up the floor. What do you guys think? Like, Do you think the homophobia at the time, obviously it's, from 80s and before, it was just a product of the time. But you feel that sometimes the homophobia was inserted because maybe one of the screenwriters or something was homosexual and they were just afraid. I don't know. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Do you think, does it hurt the film for you nowadays or can you just look at it as a product of the time? Discuss. Um, I mean, that was always... I, I don't know that it's any less now. The, the and It's probably... It, it was an easy target. It was homophobia was an easy joke. Yeah. And I, I think it was probably more a product of its time, and I don't know that it's gone away. It's just become less PC to joke about it. Um, and I mean, you know, that was like a that was a, a a character type in the '80s. Well, I mean, it was even like they did it in pro wrestling a lot too. Um, you know, making fun of like uh, Jerry Lawler calling uh, handsome Jimmy a, handsome fag, Jimmy a fag and yeah. queer. And uh, <laughs> with your, what do you say, your fag hairdo or something like yeah, that? Yeah, your queer ear. <laughs> they had some um, racist stuff too. So. But they, you know, they would do it with. Uh, that was a thing to get heat with the Midnight Express all the time. Jim Cornette would like hug beautiful Bobby, and the, yeah. and, the, and everybody in the audience would start going woohoo, and and Ricky and Robert would be doing the little hand back and forth motion, and and I mean it's just, I think I think that that. Easy. It's it's like the dick joke of of the all time dick joke that was always going to get a cheap laugh. That could then it just became less PC to do it now. So, anything to add on that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> like you said, I mean it's 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 uh, juvenile humor. I mean the the whole movie, uh, like those you know. Uh, 80s movies like that it's the whole the whole fucking movie all the humor in it is fart jokes and dick jokes and you know stuff like that it's it's easy and you know it's uh targeted towards 
you know, I mean, it just it gets it gets the like when when Justin said that, and I went, Haha, you know, it gets the the <laughs> you know the easy laugh. That's you know, yeah. I don't I don't know. I the um not gonna boycott like uh I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like um a lot of comedians on Louis C.K. One of the first shows on his new series was the guys were sitting around a card table and um, uh, the one guy um, calls somebody a faggot. And then the one guy at the table, the one comedian is gay and he starts telling a story about how they got the term faggot. And it's uh, 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 what they called uh, bundles of sticks of wood, like kindling. And so to make a fire and because back in the old days, if you were found to be a homosexual or whatever, they would like throw you on a fire and burn you to death. That's where they got faggot from. And it was really a poignant thing. And he was telling this this story, and you're like, God, man, that's really awful because you don't think about it because it didn't know. Right. But then as soon as he gets done, and you're like, man, that's really, you know, well, you never said again. And this one guy goes, okay, now shut up and deal the cards, faggot. <laughs> you know, and everybody starts laughing. So, I mean, it's uh, in a comic sense, in a comedian sense, you know, a lot of comedians say there's nothing that should that is off limits or should be off limits. Right. It's comedy, so you know you kind of have to look at it that way too. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, we got one more feed sack here. Let me turn down the volume because I think this one's going to be a little louder. Here we go. Hey, see you go. You guys are doing some fucking movies based on some fucking books and shit. You know? <laughs> fucking guy's character. He made a fucking, fucking fundamental mistake in picking your movies, you know? There's one okay. movie fucking stars this character, this pocket character. It fucking stars my pal, Jason Statham, you know? Yeah! Why the fuck are you not covering that movie? They fucking do these other ones, you know? They're from the 70s. Everyone knows the fucking. The greatest action movie of all time in the 70s is the one time, you know, fucking, fucking, uh, shit, man, I can't, fucking Rocky movies, yeah? Fucking those, the fucking, the porno I'm in, the fucking other shit I'm in, you know, all those fucking movies. Fucking, you know, yeah, if you're gonna do fucking a movie from the 70s, that's what you should be doing. If you're gonna do a movie starring a character in Parker. You should be reviewing Parker, starring Jason Statham, you know? You know who else is in that movie? Jennifer Lopez, you know? She's got a big ass. I fucking love that ass, you know? I fucking jump all over that shit, you know? Fucking, I know you guys would do it. That's why you should be watching that movie, because, you know, you can sit there and jerk off looking at that fucking ass. Yeah! Yeah, that's the kind of podcast you guys yeah. are. You know, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting pumped up. I'm going to go work out. You know, I'm probably going to jerk off now as well. You know, good times. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He sounded like he was, like, going to vomit or something right there. Hell, yeah, he had too much for lunch. Was that his Sting? H- his HGH was filling. Oh, no, that was, uh, what's his face? What? Stalai Stallone. Oh yes. Um, you um, know what? I'll, I will say that the, the Statham movie, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, hell, I, it didn't have like the usual um, uh, Cheb Chelio shit or uh, was the, the the transporter kind of stuff like that. It was just straight yeah. up kind of you know like Parker, you know, a hard ass guy, and you know Jennifer Lopez, big butt. So, 
she needs for to that be fly. Would you? Would you? Uh, if you were with Jennifer Lopez, would you expect ass to mouth? Like, no, I don't. I don't want. I don't want ass on my mouth. No, no, huh? I don't want ass on my mouth. No, you fuck her in the ass and then make her suck your dick. Uh oh, is that what is that what ass to mouth is? Um, no, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I'd almost have to humiliate her just for being who she is. <laughs> I feel like I'd paintbrush her too a little bit in a good way. You so got thank it. You, but thank you, you definitely would smack her ass, right? Oh yeah, that's hundred percent. What if you did and she was like, "What are you doing? Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, that hurts, asshole." <laughs> um, thank you, Justin and Sly. And speaking of uh, '80s comedies, um, for next week on the show, sorry I didn't tell you about this ahead of time. Um, Eric, <laughs> li- listener Eric, has been asking for this for a while. So, what we're next week we're going to do a uh, we'll, we'll we'll call it a Dean Cameron, the education of Dean Cameron double feature. Um, we're going to do Summer School from 1987. Uh, summer School. Uh, and sees and ski school from 1990. <laughs> now summer school is an old favorite of mine from when I was young, well youngish. Yeah, I was young. It came out when I was 11. So, and uh, ski school I've only seen once, and uh, it was in Boy Scouts, and they covered up titties on the screen. To, to, so, have to revisit <laughs> nice. that one. So ski school and summer school for next week. Dean Cameron is an actor in both of those movies, by the way. He played Chainsaw in the other one. I don't remember ski school at all. So. So you can always send us feed sack or back or whatever to 206-339-1600 or silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. And you can download our show on iTunes and Stitcher and our website at silvagold.com and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash silvagold. I am going to sleep. Zom, do you have anything else this week, sir? Not really. I have a strip of grass I need to go outside and uh, and cut <laughs> by down by my garage, and then that will be complete, and I can have something to eat. Somebody, one of my friends, just posted a picture of a so I don't know if it was beef or pork barbecue and a thing of coleslaw, and it made, it made me so fucking hungry. But I I'm have, not going to be able to have that because I don't have it. I had sad bachelor dinner last night. I made sloppy Joe mix. <laughs> um. And instead of putting it on a bun, because I didn't have any buns, I actually had gone to the Walmart and uh, uh, bought some orange juice and stuff when I was feeling sick. And one of the things, the impulse buy off the shelf, I bought some Sloppy Joe flavored potato chips. So I I stood over the skillet of Sloppy Joe mix and ate Sloppy Joe mix with Sloppy Joe flavored potato chips. (laughs) Now the sloppy Joe mix. You just ate the mix. Didn't well, no, I use I use fake uh, fake ground beef, like oh, okay. boca Tof- tofu stuff or what? Yeah, it's textured soy. But is it? But yeah. I mean, is it good? I mean, what? Well, yeah, I've eaten it for years. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, it's well, there good. you go. It's good. So yeah, that was I'm my fucking hungry, dude. God, yeah. I got these gluten free bagels. Uh-huh. And the thing that gets me is I'm used to just putting like some gluten-free bread in the toaster you know a toast you take a piece of toast out it's not bad you put these fucking bagels in the toaster and when you take them out they're so fucking hot i don't know what it is about a bagel that retains heat <laughs> it's the back side of it the shiny side yeah, it's, it's can't like touch the motherfucker <laughs> it's like hot glass how the hell am i gonna eat this son of a bitch <laughs> all right i'm going to take care of my face so i'm going to eat so until next time 
This is Loaf Oot. Saw Oot. Bye.